there's things that happen in your life that are not the way that you planned it. And that is okay. You're supposed to feel every feeling that goes along with that. And ultimately for me, what it just keeps on doing is making me stronger. Hey, hurdlers, Emily Abadi here. You're listening to episode 264 of Hurdle, a wellness focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with Yogi Jessamine Stanley. I am so excited for this conversation. I've wanted to have the opportunity to sit down with Jessamine for some time, and it definitely is full of a lot of gems. In our conversation today, Jessamine talks about her journey to this place of being a body positive yogi in the spotlight, something that she never really envisioned for herself. Jessamine opens up about what it is like to be such a public person and how she manages to keep her head up despite being constantly inundated with negative comments and unfortunately, haters. We have a really, really interesting conversation about body positivity, how it's okay to want to be somewhere different than you are now, but still have appreciation for the body that you are in. Jessamine also opens up about naked yoga, why she has an OnlyFans, and reflects on her college days when all of her friends and her were so dialed in on the number on a scale and how she feels so thankful that she is nowhere near that place anymore. Jessamine is also a published author. She has a few books out now, including Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance, Every Body Yoga, Let Go of Fear, Get on the Mat, Love Your Body. I'm going to link to both of those in the show notes. I also want to take a moment to put out a request for you, my dear hurdler. I want to know what you want. You know, I can't read your mind, especially when you don't give me feedback. And I want to be bringing on the guests that you want to hear from. I want to know what you want more of, maybe what you're not absolutely loving about the show, even though I like to pretend that you love everything. I want to know. So DM Hurdle Podcast over on Instagram. Feel free to write us an email over at hello at hurdle.us. And you're also always welcome to leave feedback on the weekly Hurdle newsletter. It comes out every single Friday morning with a lot of the same motivation and inspiration you love from the show directly in your inbox. Feel free to comment over there. And if you're not yet subscribed, I'm going to put the link in the show notes as well. Last call out listener questions. I ask for it all the time. I'm looking for more of them. I want to answer your question on the show. I get so many DMs and as much as I wish that I could answer every single one of them, I'm not always by my phone. I'm not always checking my DMs. So if you want me to answer your question, a surefire way to get it done is by calling and asking one via the voicemail. The link to leave one, you know it, is also in the show notes. No topic is off limits. I promise. That's it for now. With that, let's get to it. Let's get to hurdling.
today, I am sitting down with Jessamyn Stanley. She's an author, an entrepreneur, a yoga teacher, so many things. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, the sun is not out, but I can feel it in my heart, which is the most yoga teacher thing that I have said today. And I'm kind of <laughs> mad about it and it's okay. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh my God, of course. I, I like that. I can feel it in my heart. I think that we don't do internal audits enough when we talk about how we're feeling, right? So like we both were just like, I am good. Are you good? How you doing? <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, I think I've to this place in life where I feel like ultimately I am every emotion at all times. I'm feeling all of it and that I'm supposed to feel all of it, that there's not like that there's really, really bad, really, really good, really scary like genuinely scary. And I think that is the piece, um, not to immediately pivot to the pandemic, but I think that's something that we are getting a little bit more comfortable acknowledging as a whole, that a lot of life is scary. And all of that is just happening at the same time in this way that I'm like, you know what, I'm good. I'm here. I'm present. And I get to do something that I love. So I love that. I love that. You know, the other day I was on Instagram as one always is and I, a video came up and it was like the, you know, the 12 different ways to say the words I'm good and what they all mean. It's like, I'm good. I'm good. You good. You good. <laughs> Literally <laughs> all that stuff, all of it. And I, in my Justin Stanley research, one of the, you know, dozens of podcasts that I listen to, you and I have been spending a lot of time together lately, unbeknownst to you, you said something that was an emotion can really only stick for something like 90 seconds to two minutes. Mm. Truth? Mm. So they say, you know, I mean, what I know is that they move through you. So at least for me, I feel like I'm feeling an emotion so big and so real. Why not to stop it? And that's what I'll, I mean. I think that all of us do this, but I know that I do it where I'll just be like, I don't want to feel that. I don't like that. That's not what I decided to feel. And so I'm going to decide that it's wrong and it's bad. And then I'm in a judgment shame spiral trying to like, it's a, which is its own emotion. But it's like, what would it be like for me to just spend two minutes feeling feeling all of it. Like, what would it be like to just do that? And I think that what happens is it's hard and sometimes it's scary for other people and it's unpleasant. And then ultimately you move on and you feel better. And I think that children are really our example of how to do this because they're not socialized to think that there's anything wrong with how they are naturally. And so I, I find it helpful to remember that I am a child and that I never stop being a child and that I can just feel my feelings and they last as long as they last. And then you move on. And then you move on. And then you move on. Speaking of feeling feelings, I want to jump right into it with you because, again, in my Justin Stanley research, obviously watched your recent Gatorade commercial. Congratulations. So exciting. You scroll down to the comments and the first comment is, I'm so impressed that Gatorade left these comments on. I I love that comment. That's really interesting. So, okay. Something to know about me is that I didn't read the comments because I am so, it's just very challenging for me to be me and also be focused on what other people think. And something that I've noticed is that anyone who says anything, so 
being fat and black and queer and in a national ad for Gatorade is and especially doing something like yoga, where I think we have this idea that it's well, in America, especially we have an idea that it's like just for thin white women, essentially. And I think that all of those things combined mean that someone's going to have something to say. And they're not, it's probably going to be based on their trauma and whatever they have been told not to like. And, and a lot of us have been told that it's bad to be fat and that, um, there's, it's just not healthy. It's, um, it's bad, maybe, maybe bad for society. I know that you can be healthy at any size. And I think that, there are a lot of people who don't know that. I think that there's a general feeling in our society that if you're fat, that means that you're a bad person. It means you're not healthy. It means that maybe you're a danger to society. And so knowing all of that, I just feel like, you know, I can't be that hung up on what negative comments people say. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm always like, oh my God, so pious. And like, I'm not, I just people say mean things and it rolls off my back. No, like I, when I see the comments, I'm like, oh, for real? Like, oh, you're just going to say these things about me? But I'm like, I think that there's a really important, we're at a really important point in history where we're changing history, ultimately. Like we're, we're putting new ideas forward. And I think that um, there's a need for me to be compassionate. And so I see and I get it. And um, I'm more than anything, I just hope that everyone can feel seen in the ads like I hope mm-hmm. and see a fat person living their life authentically without shame and feel inspired to live your own life that not just fat people that literally anyone can see that and say it's okay to be myself so that it just balances for me yeah just balances and I think it can be both, right? Like you can have this understanding that there can be health at any size. And then you can also feel some kind of way when you are seeing unsolicited feedback about your appearance, right? No one wants to read someone saying something awful about them. Right. And, you know, it is so I always end up feeling really grateful for my bullies when I was in, I was bullied pretty severely when I was in middle school. Mm -hmm. And I think about that and I'm just like, you know, hurt people hurt people. So anyone who is saying something mean is feeling something really sad in their own life. And I feel like it's really easy to take that personally. And I take it personally. I think everybody does. But there's also a place with it where it's like, if if I see a negative comment, I just think like, damn, something's going on in their life that's like really challenging. And and the last thing that you want to see is a picture of somebody doing something that is fucking with the way that you believe the world should be. And I just think that um, there's a place that there's a plane that I want to meet on where it's like I see you and I feel you and without that means that not putting more negative energy into the world can bring a positive outcome ultimately it hurts my heart that sentiment that sentiment that it can be difficult to see someone doing something that's not the way that you envision the world to be how does it feel for you to be that person to be the person that incites this reaction whatever that reaction may be in others Oh, man. It feels just like life. It feels like really living life. And I think that 
there's so much about life that is dark. Like that idea that you're saying that like it hurts. It literally hurts to think that people feel this way. And that is so much of this life. And so to be a part of that chain reaction feels like truth. It feels like being alive. And I think that for me, if I'm being completely honest, I want to be 100 with you. Like there are parts of my life, points in my life where it has felt very scary, very lonely, very isolating, very, very, very deeply sad. And, and then there's very few people to talk to about it also. So it's very lonely, but um, there's so much strength through isolation. And I think that that is also something that is scary. And I, cause this is something that I get asked about a lot and that I think about a lot, like just what is it like to be trolled? And it's like, it is literally like having somebody strengthen you. It's having somebody help you get stronger. And I think like, I mean, you know, like as an athlete, it's like you are, that is the strengthening. Like whenever you push hard and it's like, I think this about yoga too. Like, and honestly, I think that it's it's ironic how it all works together because I am a yoga practitioner, and a lot of times, whenever people start practicing yoga, they're like, "This actually sucks." Like, I thought I was I was going to come to yoga, and it was just going to be like really calm and zen, and I got here, and it's just really hard, and every part of it is unpleasant, and I'm like, "That's the conditioning. It's a conditioning of the spirit," and. I don't want to make it seem like it's more pleasant than it is, but ultimately that's what happens in life. It's like you fall down, you get stronger when you get back up. Like you, your survival is really the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that counts in the end. So it just feels like opportunity ultimately opportunity. Talk about a perspective, right? Because I'm sure you didn't have the perspective always that trolling was. And at first I thought that you said that trolling is like having someone strangle you. And then I realized that you said that trolling is actually like having someone strengthen you and talk about how both of those could be true for someone. And yet your definition is, I think it was the latter, right? That someone strengthen you and you choose to seek out this opportunity. I'm so curious knowing your lifelong journey with bullying, having said that you went through it in middle school, when you adopted the mindset that hurt people hurt people, when did you come to that realization? Relatively recently. Okay. I just want to (laughs) say not in middle school. Let me tell you, middle school. No, I definitely did not feel this way. Like through middle school, high school, college, graduate school, my early 20s, my late 20s, my early 30s. I think that this has been a product of like coming out of Saturn return and seeing like, and Saturn return being like the three years right around the end of your 20s into your early 30s. Like coming out of that time, I think I've had a lot of realizations of self that. And and I think it's all co- coincided with like being in Gatorade ads and being an Adidas ambassador and like doing all of these things where I'm being seen by other human beings in a way that is allowing me to cross compare with my childhood in a really interesting way. So mm-hmm. I just I the main thing I want to say is that no, 
And I think it is so reasonable to be hurt by all of these things. And I think that really going back to what we were saying about feeling your feelings, like I think that feeling the feeling all the way through is a huge part of getting to this place and like saying, I feel sad. That hurt my feelings. And something that I wrote about in my book, Yoke, actually literally why the book is called Yoke. Um, so it's called Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance. You can get it anywhere. The books are sold and it is available on Audible as well. But the first chapter of Yoke is about how I there's a typo in my first book, Everybody Yoga. And it is a typo of my like ratchet millennial definition of the word yoga. Yoga means union uh, to unite, to bring together things that don't make sense. And I define that as yoking, like bringing together things that don't make sense. But I spelled it in everybody yoga, like yoke, Y-O-L-K, the central part of an egg. And I got an email from someone who was like, basic, literally all someone said was, there's a typo in your book and I'm a copywriter and, or copy editor and I would catch that for you next time. But it sent me into this deep downward spiral of imposter syndrome and just feeling like, oh my God, I don't know anything. And now everybody knows that I don't know anything. And and I think that um, that's a very common experience, imposter syndrome. And for me, just actually letting myself feel that and just feel what is it, what is it to feel ashamed, to feel not good enough, to be embarrassed ultimately it's an acceptance of self it's saying yeah I am a beginner I did make a mistake just like when I was in first grade and I made mistakes and when I was in that relationship and I made a mistake and like all of these things you know there's things that happen in your life that are not the way that you planned it and and that is okay. And you're supposed to feel every feeling that goes along with that. And ultimately, for me, what it just keeps on doing is making me stronger. Making you stronger. It's true. The thing about imposter syndrome is it's never like you can ever 100% say to yourself, all right, I dealt with it this one time. I'm never going to have to deal with it again. I'm never going to feel like a beginner again. I'm never going to feel like an imposter again. Although, there is an opportunity to get to a place where you can say, this is the difference between fact and feeling. So you know now how much time, for instance, you have put into yoga. You know now and have concrete numbers of how many people you're helping develop their relationship with yoga. Mm -hmm. So to be able to look at those benchmarks and say to myself, this is what I know to be true, it then lessens perhaps the daunting effects of imposter syndrome moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. It's just kind of like, oh, so that's what that feels like. Okay. So that's, so we're here again. Okay. That's fine. And I just, <laughs> I think there is a part of me, if I'm being completely honest, that every time that I figure this out, I'm like, cool. So maybe not again, like fingers crossed, it's not going to be like this again. And it just always is. And, and there's some comfort in that. It's like Starbucks is the same, no matter if you're in Singapore or San Francisco, like it's, there's a piece where it's just like, we're good. This is what it is to be human. It's yeah. Okay. 
for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Speaking of beginners, people that you're helping bring into their practice, when you started your practice, you were encouraged and introduced to it by a family member. Give us a little bit of insight as to what that experience was like at for you at the beginning, what you remember feeling as you began your journey with yoga. Oh my God. So I, wow, I really did not like yoga at all in the beginning. I really resented it actually. And my aunt Tracy took me with her to a Bikram yoga class, which is a very specific style of hot yoga where you practice two rounds of the same 26 postures in sequence and you practice it in a room that is about 104 degrees so it's very very hot and I remember walking into the room and just immediately thinking like it smells really bad first of all because there's carpeting and it has soaked up god knows how many how many gallons of sweat and like the heat makes it where immediately you're sweating from places that I didn't even know human beings sweat from. Like I'm sweating from my eyebrows and like the tops of my knees and my toes. And this was before we'd actually done anything. This is literally just standing in the room. And then we start with this breath work that is like, you know, you say breath work and I think it seems easy and it was the most challenging breath work. And everyone is making these very exaggerated facial expressions, like make the face really small and then like really big, like a dragon. And I'm like the only, I was like 16, the youngest person in the room for sure, but also like one of the only fat people, like one of the only black people. And I'm just looking around like, what the fuck? And then like, I, we start getting into the postures and it just felt impossible. Like every posture was just like, I cannot do this. And I made it like maybe a third of the way through the class before I was like, it's just too hot. I can't be in here. I have to leave. And they told us beforehand, like, don't leave once you go into the room. But I was like, these people don't know me. I have to get out of here. I cannot do this. And so I walk out of the room. I immediately felt amazing because there's air conditioning. And I was like, what was the problem? Oh my God, it wasn't even that big of a deal. I'll go back in. And I learned firsthand why it is challenging to walk walk in and out of a hot yoga room because the temperature shift in your body can create a lot of different contraindications. It can make a lot of effects. And the one for me was nausea. And I just started to feel really, really nauseous. And I left the room and I was like, I'm never coming back. I'm never doing yoga again. And it's a lot of times people will tell me that they have had a really horrible yoga experience or they're just like, why do you like this? And I'm like, yeah, I feel you completely. My first time, exactly like what you're describing. So if you hate yoga, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. So then why did you stick with it? So uh, several years later, I was in graduate school and one of my, I was just going through a really hard time. Um, I was depressed. I was in a relationship that was ending and I had a friend who was really into, she was also going to Bikram yoga and she was like, oh my God, you should come to class with me. You'll love it. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I've already tried it. I know it's not for me. And um, she really just got me caught up on a Groupon. It was like, what's the worst that could happen? I'll go one time. I spent $30 on this Groupon. It'll be fine. So I went and I remember that it's interesting to me that it was both classes were Bikram classes because everything mm -hmm. about it was exactly the same. The postures were the same. The heat was the same. Um, I remember feeling very isolated and different from everyone else who was in the room um, because, you know, fat, black, not like 
all of the other people in the space. And I, there was a point though in the class, maybe around the same time that I left the first time when I was like, so are you just going to sit here and talk shit about yourself through the whole class? Or are you going to try? Because you could just try. And like, maybe you'll fall down and maybe everyone is going to see that you don't know what you're doing. And like, maybe you'll pass out and then you'll, it'll like, you won't even have to be here. I don't know, whatever. I was in this place of like, I just want to, I'm just going to try. And what's the worst that could happen. And what I noticed was that when I decided to just try that yoga mat was not the only place where I needed to hear that. There were so many other parts of my life where I never even gave myself the chance to fail. I would say, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't even try it. Like I, in the yoga class, I was literally like not going into the postures because I would look over at the people next to me and just be like, I can't do that. If they, and everyone can see that I can't do it. And I thought like, where in my life and in my work at school, in my relationships, where am I not even trying? And it really shifted so much for me. And so the reason now that I return to my yoga practice is not really because of the, well, the exercise is great and being able to uh, get, connect my body to my mind and my spirit is really incredible. But this very specific space of pushing me beyond who I decided I was, being able to see myself clearly and without judgment and shame, that is really why I continue to practice. And I think of yoga as my medicine very much. And, and it's something that I just have to maintain as I go through the waves of life. Yeah. And yeah. One other piece of this, I think is this idea of change and like not wanting to change and yoga makes it very clear that in life there will be change and it's okay. And you can just, you can know that and you can just go with it. Just go with it. Just go with it. I, I really adore the mindset that you went into it with basically, with basically what's the worst that could happen. Knowing that literally the worst thing that could happen is that you will be exactly where you started. And there is just so much fear surrounding being a quote unquote failure. But if there's one thing that is for certain, as you articulated so beautifully, it's that we learn from those failures so that we can move forward with that understanding and try again. Fast forward a few years and you're really developing an intense relationship with yoga so much so that you start to pursue it in a whole new way. When did yoga transition from simply a hobby to something that you wanted to share with others? Oh my God. Well, I can't overstate how much I didn't want to share with others. Like, okay, well, that's, that's not entirely true. What I'll say is that I had been practicing yoga in studios and I, it gave me so much confidence to, I was in graduate school. I left graduate school. I moved to a new town. And when I moved to Durham, where from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, I did not have the money to practice yoga in studios. And so I stopped practicing for a short period of time. And during that time, a bunch of stuff happened. Um, 
most notably my aunt passed away really unexpectedly. And it just sent me into this spiral of depression. And I was like, what was making me feel good before yoga? Okay, well, I just got to start. I got to find a way to do this for free. And I had my dad's old Pilates mat and my partner and I were living in this like very tiny apartment. And I would just push all the furniture out of one corner of the apartment roll out that Pilates mat and like just practice the postures from the Bikram sequence that I could remember and that I felt comfortable doing on my own. And over time, I started photographing my practice because I wanted to track my track my progress over time. And I started sharing it on Instagram. And this was before Instagram was like really, really popular. But there were some yoga people on there. And for the most part, people were just like giving each other feedback about how to practice. And I wanted to feel like I was a part of that community because it's very isolating to practice yoga at home by yourself. But I, in the process of sharing my photos on Instagram, I had people be like, I didn't know that fat people could practice yoga. And I was just like, why do you think fat people can't practice yoga? Fat people do all kinds of things all the time. Obviously, we just have a visibility issue. So I started sharing more. And through that, people would ask me to come teach them. And I was like, you don't need for me to come teach you yoga. Literally, there are thousands of yoga teachers. Like I would recommend teachers, recommend platforms. And eventually, it just became really clear that I needed to go to training. And when I went to training, I went in thinking like, okay, literally, I'm just going to try to teach everyone who has asked me to teach them. And then I'm going to move on with my life because I don't, it just wasn't a goal of mine. And the more that I've taught and the more that I teach around the world and since um, launching my yoga community, The Underbelly, and since writing uh, books and it just really is very clear to me the way that just being yourself can positively impact other human beings. Just that that we all just want to see other people being true. And then that inspires us to be ourselves. And that it's not even for me really about like, it's not like I think everyone should practice yoga. Like yoga is great, but I don't know that it's for everybody. I do think that there is, there are practices that are helpful for each of us. And I think that it is helpful, especially as a fat person, to see other fat people moving their bodies around because it makes you feel like it's okay to be yourself. But I think for me, what really made me keep um, sharing and keep community is that it is just nice for us to know that there's someone out there who is also goofy, who also makes mistakes, who falls down, who farts during yoga class, who cusses during yoga class, um, who has said the dark thing, who has done the worst thing, someone who has hurt another human being and lived to tell the tale and wants to hear your tale. And yeah, but I just really like, I never aspired to be a yoga teacher. I didn't care about it. And I think that there is a little part of me that's like, really? Still? Okay. You know, <laughs> this but, is where we ended up? Yeah. yeah. It's like, sure. Okay. <laughs> I love the embrace of the pivot. What did you want to do for a career originally? Well, my undergrad degree is in film and video production. And my graduate work is in nonprofit arts management. And honestly, what I do for a living as a content creator, as a entrepreneur, um, 
as a believer in uh, humanity and as a humanitarian, I think that is what I studied actually. But it's just very interesting. I think in life, like you don't know, it's like you go to school for something. If you go to school, if you go to school for something or you like go down a career path and you decide like, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And then if you ever pivot or you need to like do something different, then you're like, well, how did I get here? Like, what is this about? But if you go back and look, it was always leading there. There was something that was leading there. Happening for you. Exactly. And I think that it's just, I didn't know what it would look like, but ultimately I think this is what I've always wanted. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really beautiful that you gave yourself the grace to kind of feel it out and, and let it happen as it came. Right. And I would be remiss if I didn't go back to click on the point of you saying, I didn't have the money to practice yoga anymore, but still finding a way to make it work for you as well. Let's talk a little bit about access. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I just, it's really hard because I think that we, we get to this place of feeling like there's a way that it's supposed to look like that. You're supposed to go to the studio, wear the outfit, have the mat do Mm -hmm. and follow the rubric. And ultimately if you're in crisis, you need to be able to do the practice, whatever the practice is, maybe it's running, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's swimming, whatever the thing is, you need to be able to do it without the trappings. And um, you need to be able to do it in the carpool line. You need to be able to do it in the hospital. You need to be able to do it in prison. And I think that for me, there is a place that I, it's just, I'm thinking about access a lot because as a, with the underbelly, you can subscribe to the underbelly app. You can find us on YouTube for free. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, all these different platforms. But all of that requires access to digital resources. You have to be able to get on the internet. And when we teach, when we do live classes, you know, there's some sort of fee. Sometimes we can do it for free. When I first started teaching yoga, I taught pay what you can yoga classes. And it was legit. Like I just rolled up in this park, my mat, and people would just roll up and they brought whatever they had. I remember people paying me in strawberries. There was somebody who, um, a couple, they brought like a big beach blanket and that was their yoga mat that they shared together. And it was just like the most incredible experience. And I think that spaces like that where we're not focused on anything but just making community with one another are so important. Taking a break from today's show to give some love to the one, the only AG1. An all-in-one daily scoop that's got 75 whole food sourced ingredients as well as prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods, plus the antioxidant equivalent of 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. I've been talking about this for a while. You know I love it, but I I think I love it the most <laughs> when I am on the road. There is nothing that is more of a staple in my regular travel routine than AG1. When I feel as though I can't make my movement happen as I'd like, or I have to switch up my training days, or my all these meals out, you get it, it can be hectic. I know that by starting my day with AG1, I am doing something that's good for me and good for my body. 
And this is coming from someone who used to have such a wonky relationship with supplements, literally buying whatever gummy vitamin was on sale in the small aisle at the CVS across the street. Trust me, this is something that once you start, you will not be able to stop. I have been a loyal AG1 consumer for years now. I know you're gonna love it. And of course, they have a deal for Hurdle listeners. Head on over to drinkag1.com slash hurdle to get five free travel packs as well as a year's supply of vitamin D with your purchase. Again, that is drinkag1.com slash hurdle for freebies and to feel better in your body today. And they're fewer and farther between, right? You exactly. you brought up a great point, which is it's not just like, okay, yes, maybe I have the means to go to a yoga class. First of all, the question arises, if you want to go in person, are there even studios where you live that are geographically available to you? But then beyond that, what you said about, do I have the right clothes? Do I have the right gear? Do I, ha- do I have the right quote unquote look? So many things that, are associated with finances, right? That could be a hurdle to someone who just wants to be in the room. I would be remiss if I didn't recognize even my privilege to not even think about the fact that I have enough yoga clothing or fitness clothing to outfit a small country if they showed up here. (laughs) And it's just so interesting because ultimately you don't need anything to do this practice. You don't need that. You don't, it's better without clothes, honestly, like just to be able to be with yourself is the most important thing. You know, because you teed this up that I'm going to talk to you about it's better without clothes, honestly, because this was something that became a little bit of a thing for you over the last couple of years. Talk to me about doing yoga without clothes and empowering others to do the same. So, okay, here's the deal. (laughs) I literally, (laughs) No, I just I'm thinking about how a yoga teacher friend of mine recently asked me, like, uh, what's it like to practice yoga naked? And I didn't understand the question because she has been teaching and practicing yoga so much longer than I have. And I was like, you've never practiced yoga naked. And she was like, I've never practiced yoga naked. And I was Mm. just like, wow, I have only exclusively practiced yoga naked. I started sharing my yoga, my naked yoga practice on OnlyFans, which you can go to if you go to my website, you can find naked yoga classes with me on OnlyFans. But I have been doing this as a personal practice since I started practicing yoga. Because when you wear clothes, it is very challenging to actually feel what your body is doing. And especially as a fat person, you have so much body dysmorphia. And I mean, I'm saying fat, but honestly, I think that all of us have a lot of body dysmorphia where we're out of touch with what is actually happening anatomically. And yes, there's all of these, I can, I'm a double cancer, so I can go into all the different emotions of like how you're going to connect with your spirit more. But if we just get into the anatomical nature of our like skeleton, if you are naked, you can move your flesh around in a way that allows you to go much deeper into the postures and allows you to actually align in a way that truly does align your body, mind, and spirit. So to me, practicing yoga naked is just a deeper expansion of the practice. It's like using different kinds of props. It's like, um, it's, it's like a mega prop, but I think that it is just so interesting to me, the way that we are, we live in a deeply puritanical society. And so there's a, 
a major clutching of pearls if you talk about doing anything naked, but especially practicing yoga naked, which I think already people are like, so what is that again? Is it a religion? Are you, is it a fitness? I'm not really sure. So <laughs> I'm like, it's, I think that um, it's really cool to see the ways that people open to themselves that we are, um, there's a, there's a real beauty in being able to witness other human beings open through this practice of practicing yoga naked. And it's something that I didn't really aspire to, or like I wasn't thinking about, but um, it's something that has been a really cool spot in my teaching practice for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely stretched naked, but I don't think that I've ever like taken my yoga mat out and been like, you know what I'm about to do? 15 minutes of yoga naked. What would you say has been the highlight and the low light of dipping into sharing that part of your practice? Mm. I Okay. I want to say one thing about what you just said, which is, yeah. is that I I don't know that I was ever like, I'm going to take off my clothes and practice yoga naked. Like, <laughs> it was very much like a shedding of the clothes. It's like, I'm oh. wearing leggings. So like, I didn't expect that at all. I thought it was like, oh no, I'm showing up. I'm naked. I'm going to do some yoga. But it evolves into that. Yeah. It's like, cause you're like, what happens is you're wearing a sports bra, you're wearing your leggings. They're digging into your body in ways that you're like, it's like, you're thinking more about your clothes than you are about mm. the practice. Mm -hmm, and this mm -hmm. happens a lot in group classes. Like you'll be out in a live class. It's full of people. And you're thinking about like, are my pants in the right place? Is my bra hitting right? And like, you're not thinking about downward facing dog at that point. So for me, it's like, if I'm at home, and there's nobody looking but the dog. Yeah, I'm taking my bra off, actually. And I'm just going to pull my belly out of my leggings and I feel better. And maybe I'll just take my leggings off, actually. So it's like a it's a shedding. It's a freeing as opposed to a stepping in. This but is also sounding like strip yoga. Totally. It's after, it is not <laughs> not strip yoga. It's totally strip yoga. I, I'm glad that you know that. OK, OK. Highlight, low light. OK, so highlight, low light. So um, <laughs> I think that. um. The highlight is the community, truly, because something that I really struggled with in sharing my yoga practice on OnlyFans specifically is just the judgment and shame that I have around sex work, around the idea of being perceived as a sex worker and what does that mean? All of that is something that, I mean, that's a part of the low light, I would sure say for sure. But the highlight of it is seeing how many people feel that way too and that they have felt ashamed and felt ashamed of being sexual beings and being feeling ashamed of their nudity and that to even be in a space it doesn't mean that they're like it's free to subscribe to my only so you can like go over and just like literally peruse but like the you can go over there you don't actually have to like buy any content but just to be in community with other people and say like yeah I'm weird I'm and i my body looks like this and I'm just going to own it and I'm going to stand in the part that I was told to be ashamed of. That to me is the most powerful kind of community because it it builds something new in our society. Like it's it's a spring of positive energy. So that feels really good. Um, I would say the low light is definitely the judgment and shame from other people. <laughs> and it's really ultimately a reflection of my own judgment and shame. So it's very cool to witness that and to say like oh huh 
I didn't realize that I had such a low opinion of myself or of my mm. work. That's really great to see. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, it is something, again, with what we were talking about earlier about like being trolled, being um, receiving negative comments, it's like, oh, this is the reason to do the work ultimately. The reason is not to get an accolade or to get a gold star on my forehead and have somebody say, you did a good job, Jessamyn. No, the point is to move society forward, to be a part of something bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. And so all of that just feels like a strengthening. Just strengthening. I like that. Now, we talked at the very, very top of this. I asked you, how are you doing really? How would you say that you are feeling in your body really lately? Oh, my God. I'm so annoyed by how positive I sound. I'm going to sound in all of this just because like I really enjoy being melancholy. Like I'm a Fiona Apple girly. Like I like (laughs) to be melancholy, but I'm just at this place where it's like I'm just. I'm doing my practices every day. I journal. Shit gets hard. I mean, challenging. Being a black entrepreneur in a primarily white industry and a, and not even just like not just a black entrepreneur but being a fat entrepreneur in an industry that is so thin centric, it is a head trip every single day just to even exist. But there's this delicious seat of power that comes from just standing and all that and saying yeah this sucks actually parts of this that are really uncomfortable and I think that there are really cool ways that actually like leaning into my nutrition leaning into the stretching like being I have this journaling practice where I literally it's just like brain dump word dump like every thought that is running through my head that I can't let go of just write it down and just doing those practices and running that shit it's like it's very hard life is hard I would say in my body is chaos and at the exact same time that's what balances it's chaos the journaling practice you mentioned talk us through that aside the fact that it includes a brain dump So it's like, I have a journal that I carry everywhere. I'm kind of obsessed with journaling. And I think it's like one of my most important practices, honestly. But, um, and I have journals for different things, but I have one that I just keep with me like a hundred percent of the time. And I use a mechanical pencil because I like to be able to erase, but and I try to just let it be whatever. Cause you like, sometimes when you're writing, you're like, I want to get my handwriting right. Like I want to do it right. And so mm-hmm. there's this piece where it's like, just let it flow out, whatever it is. But a lot of times my anxiety and my fear is just repeating ideas over and over again in my head. And so just to write the idea down, it's like, I just need to get this out of my head. And I do it on my phone too. My Google keep is so intense. Like there's just like, it's just pages and pages and pages of like random thoughts and like just letting that it's like it's a statement of truth it's like yes I feel this way I am thinking this thing I'm not trying not to think it this is what I am and who I am and then when I write it down it's like oh I can let it go it's we're good now I don't need to think about it as much and it is the same thing that happens in meditation where like there's because when I started meditating I was like Okay, so I'm really bad at this, first of all, because I have so many thoughts running through my head all the time and I just can't let them go. And then after a while, I was like, 
oh, this is the place where I just think about all of my thoughts. Okay, that's great. So like when I'm meditating, I'll just be like, okay, what is this thought? Now this one. And then eventually you can't think about all your thoughts forever. So you just let them go. And that's what the journaling practice is. Right. Letting them go. For someone who relates to you in the notion that they feel chaos within their body, maybe they're having a difficult time getting to a place where they can truly feel as though they are are accepting who they are, where they are, despite maybe wanting to be somewhere else. What do you tell them? Oh, my God. You are okay. Everything that you're feeling, perfect. You have been served something that is perfect perfectly sized for you and it sucks it sucks let it suck like scream it if you need to like I don't know who is going to be impacted by that I don't know if you're gonna be screaming in your child's ear or like in your partner's ear I don't know what's going on but say it name it so that you can know who you are and stop shaming yourself for being complicated because we all are and it's supposed to be this way yeah you and I, uh, BTW, have a, a mutual history of Weight Watchers slash WW slash whatever they're calling it these days. Totally. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I'm, like, excited to talk about it. I'm just, like, <laughs> I didn't know we were going to talk about this. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I lost 70 pounds back in college. I have kept most of it off. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's been 15, 16. How old am I? I've lost track. It's been, I'm 35 now. So it's been a while since I went through a large weight loss and I did it with the help of WW back in college. And when I said just now, and the reason that I'm bringing this up is it's okay to be where you are, have grace and compassion and like be okay with also wanting to maybe be somewhere else. And so my head went to then when I was saying that weight loss, which then went to the idea of knowing that despite a zillion times now you mentioning being a black fat yogi, that you also went through a period of time where you really did want to change your body. Oh my God. You know, okay. So this is a multi-layered thing. <laughs> you are perfect. And we literally need to talk about these shared experiences more <laughs> later, but I feel like just like at the top, I feel like it's totally reasonable to want to change your life, to want to change your body, to do and like go for it. This it's you only got one life. Enjoy it. Live it. So when I was in college, though, just to speak to your point, I was obsessed with losing weight. It was like my one true love was who I was going to be when I could wear a size large at Forever 21. I was just like, I need this in my life. And like, I would go, my friends and I, we had like our Weight Watchers coalition. We would like go, we weighed in on specific days. We had so many like things. A coalition, <laughs> I'm dead. Oh, dude, it was a whole thing. And like, we were also like shaming each other. I remember there's this restaurant in North Carolina called Bojangles. It's a fried chicken restaurant. And one of our friends had a box from Bojangles in her trash one day. And we like came over to hang out. And one of my other friends was like, did you go to Bojangles? And she was like, no, no, no. I just got a cup of water. And we're all looking at the box like, you totally didn't get a cup of water. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm just, we're all just like shaming each other in this really intense way. But I like, we also... I have so much to say about weigh-ins, but I, that time in my life was really important and really helpful. And it just was shining a light on my insecurities and a desire, a very deep desire to be something other than myself. And at the exact same time, 
I loved meetings so much. And I was just talking to my business partner and I have been talking about like what it would be like for us to have some element of community like that at the underbelly where we can just talk about food, you know, because I think that there's so much shame that comes along Mm -hmm. with eating in general and like just having a place where it's okay to talk about that, like for whatever the reason, I would rather not get weighed on a scale before I go. But like, if I can just be honest about it like Mm -hmm. it feels good on the spirit and so there's this piece just going back to this idea of like changing that whether or not it's good to want to change yourself I just think that it's so important for us to evolve as human beings and like there's a million reasons my why you may need to evolve like all sorts of health reasons so many different pieces of our lives that don't we don't need to judge each other and I think that ultimately it just always comes down to judgment and like and then comes down to are you judging yourself so there's a piece with like wanting to be different or like thinking that your body should be different that it's like are you judging yourself do you Mm -hmm. think that there's something wrong with you and there's also a piece with it where it's like I just want to do something new I want a new haircut I just want I want to be doing something different and maybe that means you want to gain weight maybe it means you want to lose weight like it just really doesn't matter ultimately because it's your life and you just got to live it yeah I that what you said about like you have one life how do you want to enjoy it? Right. And you are the person that knows how you feel in your body. Right. So to your point, maybe you want to gain weight, maybe you want to lose weight, whatever it is. Are you enjoying the process? Are you enjoying how you feel in your body? Because we only have one chance to go through this journey. So you might as well make it the best freaking journey that you can literally and it'll look different for everyone and that's okay for every reason and that's okay so uh, to go back to what i said though about how you just continually you know reiterate black queer fat these days i know in college you said you went through a period where you were like i don't want to be in this body anymore Mm -hmm. do you have thoughts like that still oh wow Oh man, no. And what is so, I really appreciate that question because I think that even a year ago, I might've had a different answer. I also think that people assume if you did, if you didn't, whatever it is, the perception is probably that you're just so embracing of everything that you have to offer. (laughs) Totally. No, (laughs) I just have been so self-hating for such, I mean, I, I spent the first firm two decades of my life thinking that there was something fundamentally wrong with me. And then I spent a decade feeling like, "Mm, I don't really know. And then I think I just, I think that age helps. I think that mortality and better understanding the brevity of life helps like knowing that this life is so short and we all just came out of the same quarantine. Like this life is so short and there's, only so much that you can control and ultimately this is the vessel I've been gifted and so it it does it do what it do and it's going to change and like there are things that it does that I don't prefer and that's a part of it too for me it's just being able to say yeah I don't like that or like I don't like this way that I am that leads to loving it and love is not happiness love is just acceptance it's just everything so yeah I mean I think that if yeah if you'd ask me that 
even a year ago or maybe a few years ago, I might have a different answer. But at this point, I think that I and it, a piece of it, too, is owning all of those things. So, like, I say black, I say fat, I say queer, and it is to fully own those parts of myself that I have been taught to be ashamed of. Like, I, I grew up in a predominantly white community, and even if I hadn't, we live in a deeply anti-black world. And so being able to say I am black is very important. We live in a world that is so fat phobic. People are afraid. People would are more afraid to hear that they are called fat than they are to be, to have somebody cuss them out. So like, I feel like for me to say that I am fat is to own this huge part of myself and being queer. I mean, like granted, I came out when I was in high school. It is something that um, I honestly think I had like a dream coming out scenario but you know growing up in the south like definitely not I did not grow and grow up in the gay pride capital of the world and like it there's a piece of self-shame that is just it rests so deep inside and it's like a it's like you roll your teeth around in a feeling of being disgusted by yourself and so mm-hmm. to say I am queer it's just to own that and say, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm I'm rolling that around in my mouth. Now, how can I really enjoy the flavor of it? How can I just be in it? And I think that all of that leads to being able to say, like, yeah, I own this. This is this is my vessel. This is who I am. This is who I am. Someone comes to your Instagram page right now. They see the uh the quote I love that leads to your bio here, the Beyonce of yoga. That's a that's epic. <laughs> it's also shade. And I just want to like because I feel like if you say I'm the Beyonce of yoga, I feel like there's like because we all we love Beyonce. So like yes. But yeah. the thing, the reason is because Beyonce is a Virgo. I'm a she's a Virgo son. I'm a Virgo rising. There is a level of being anal and being like there's a level of being critical that makes it where the work is just so it's like we just got to do this like five six seven eight and that's the place where I'm like yeah I'm the Beyonce of yoga like I'm very (laughs) I'm very anal I'm very critical but like yeah it's it's a wonderful lineage to be a part of. It is. It's a lineage. They see you you're the Beyonce of yoga you're also now uh have you're an author with multiple books. You've got this massive following of over, uh, you know, 700,000 people between all of your accounts for you. That's what they see. But what do you see looking Mm. back in the mirror? Mm. Growth presence. I don't see the numbers are really they feel more representative of other people who are showing up for themselves. Mm. It doesn't really feel like it has anything to do with me. And I think that there's a piece of it for me in teaching yoga in general. And I think all of my work is teaching yoga, every platform, all the different things. It's some version of yoga. And I see it and I just feel like, I'm glad to be in community. I wanted, that's why I got on social media was to be a part of a community. And 
I think that life humbles me 100% of the time at all times. So it's very easy to not really be that caught up in the metrics of it. And I think that I'm just grateful to to have found the community that I was looking for. If if yoga went away tomorrow and you couldn't do yoga anymore, Mm -hmm. what would you do? I'd start running. I'm, I want to do that. Wow. Anyway. Didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, just because you you got to do something. I feel like for me, I'm the type of person where like my mind is moving a million miles a minute. I'm very much like I need, to, I like to pull down into the moment. I like to get centered and spiritual. And I've always been very interested in running. And I went through a period during my Weight Watchers time. I went through a time of being very interested in running. And I like read books about distance running. And I just recently watched a masterclass about running and it's more interesting to me now as an entrepreneur, because I feel like the work of building a business is marathon running. And so I just am really interested in that in a practice and, and it would still be yoga because yoga is the balancing. It's all the different things. So I feel like I have no interest in stopping a practice of yoga. So I hope yoga doesn't go anywhere. (laughs) It's just funny to me that uh, why I said that surprising to me was truly rooted in the fact that I guess I mentally was coming to that question from like a business POV and you immediately went to, how am I going to move my body? Yeah, that's right. Literally, totally. I'm like, I it wasn't like, oh, I didn't think that you could like run. It was like, oh, wow. Like, I love that. That's where you took this question. I didn't even think of from a, a business point of view, mainly because I think that something that has been so clear to me about the underbelly is that it will just need to exist. However it exists, um, however small, however large, because there are people who have been impacted by it and they feel like, and and I think about the teachers that I connect with, there are teachers that I've been practicing online yoga with for over a decade at this point. And like, I think sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what would it, what would I do if Yoga Glow didn't exist anymore? And this one class that I've been taking for a decade is not available. And that's like, from that place, I'm like, yeah, I just want to make sure that my resources are always available to whoever needs them. We'll follow yeah. the technology, AR, VR, whatever is needed. And <laughs> I think that like, it's just, it, it's just good to be in community. It's good. Yeah. You mentioned earlier uh, a period of depression. What would you say has been one of the most difficult components to you being an entrepreneur? I think that the most difficult part is knowing what you don't know, knowing what I don't know, and being brave enough to say it and being vulnerable and not allowing my desire to be the best or win or get the right answer, get in the way of other people offering their brilliance and truly being in community with other people. It, uh, Brene Brown is doing very important work. Everything that she says about vulnerability, I'm like, that, that is true friend. Yes. Because just to be vulnerable like that, I think is, um, it's challenging. Yeah. She doesn't know it, but she's everyone's best friend. Literally. (laughs) I think she does know. I hope she knows. She must know. (laughs) 
Oh man, Justin, I'm so happy that we were able to find the time to sit down and, and chat a little bit today. Uh, before you go, I ask this question to every guest that comes on the show right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice going through the hurdle moment, which was learning to embrace your body and show up on social media to be in community, knowing what you had to offer the world, despite it being hard, knowing what you know now, what advice do you offer to yourself at the beginning of that journey? Mm. Go for it. Don't stop. Go for it. Fall down. Go for it. Fall down. Go for it. We love it. We love a resilient human. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me today. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Uh, give us your details. Oh, my goodness. You can find me on social media at my name is Jessamine. And Jessamine is spelled J-E-S-S-A-M like monkey, Y-N like Nancy. And you can find me on yoga you can find my yoga classes at the underbelly.com and you can find me on the bird website at jessamine stan the bird website we don't even know what it's called anymore (laughs) (laughs) i'm over on instagram at emily abadi at hurdle podcast another hurdle conquered catch you guys next time